what's your best porg impression? How well can you imitate that noise? Whoa, that's pretty good. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's superhero slave. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's superhero slave. Hello and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And this is the Superhero Slate review for Star Wars The Last Jedi. <sighs> Finally. We are... I, this is two years in the making, I would say. Rogue One was a nice little appetizer in between our times, but... This is the two-year anniversary from when I had popcorn in my teeth, and it almost ruined The Force Awakens for me. So, Chris, this time I mm-hmm. brought floss with me, and you I didn't need, <laughs> and I Star didn't Wars. need, I didn't need it, but I was prepared for this movie. I wasn't gonna let any popcorn get in my way because I, it, it's, it's, it's Star Wars. I'm definitely getting popcorn. I don't know if you went to, I think it was maybe AMC theaters that had these, but I saw some people getting like Star Wars, kind of like those those popcorn tins so i think every theater chain had those because every theater around me had them but uh the amc did have them yes i did not get one because i was at a fan event so they were giving out free stuff anyway uh gotcha Um, so you had to buy the tin and then you also had to buy the popcorn Mm-hmm. With that, so they were just giving us free popcorn. So I was like, I don't need, the, I don't need this tin. What? So what? What did your fan of it entail? So we got to see it at six p.m. Nice uh, in the IMAX. There was no reserved seating in the seat theater that always has reserved seating. Mm-hmm. Even the people who work there were like, we don't, we don't know. What to do <laughs> um, so I got there at like three p.m. and got in line for this thing. I was the first in line for the Last Jedi, Mike. Nice, as you, as you saw in my post. <laughs> um, but um, there, you get there, you get these like oversized tops trading cards, some free popcorn, and then there was a 15 minute documentary on the music of Star Wars with John Williams. Oh that wow! Showed before the movie started, and um, there were only two trailers, and it, we got to see it and, like start probably an hour before everybody else did. So. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, with the time change, uh, I was over here like the middle of the day, like just getting into it. And you're just like, oh, I'm already at the movie theater. I'm just like, what are you doing, man? Like, I just woke up, I felt like. Yeah, I'm eating my lunch here and Chris is in line for Star Wars. So. <laughs> uh, I haven't had the, the day off work, which coincided with that. And so everyone at work thought I was taking the day off work just for Star Wars. <laughs> and so now that's the thing. I'm the big Star Wars guy at the office. Well, because, that, yeah. I mean, I'm already a Star Wars guy anyway, but I mean, like, <laughs> I'd take a Marvel movie over a Star Wars movie, probably in my, if I well, had that, if I that's had just, waited that's a just the way we are. This is a, this is the superhero slate, uh, with uh Star Wars related material. That's, that's why you have the lightsaber <laughs> on the review, on the review episode cover. And I have the Mjolnir. So. Yes. Uh, but, uh, the first thing we're going to be doing here is we're going to be giving everybody our initial thoughts, spoiler free. Uh, for the first couple minutes, and then I, I think heavily the majority of this episode is going to heavily delve into all of the nitty-gritty of everything happened in this movie, because this is a dense movie. This is movie was about two and a half hours uh, long. There's a whole lot going on. We got a, a brand new director this time around, and there's there's just there's just too much going on out there in the world of social media. Um, if you happen to listen to this in any sort of visual medium, the uh, the graphic 
for Star Wars The Last Jedi says right on the front of it, love it or hate it, because that is what I've seen all over the internet. I have mm-hmm. seen the highest praises for this movie and the lowest lows, which is why I was really, really looking forward to talking to you about this movie to kind of see where you land on the spectrum, <laughs> uh, just because I've never seen such a hotly contested movie. So I, I really want to know what you think. So so Chris laid on me. It's been, uh, I think, maybe 12 hours since we've seen this movie, maybe a little bit more. Uh, so we've 12, had a little... 12 hours? You got out at 6 a.m.? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I've lost track of time. Uh, uh, 24 hours ago, <laughs> I was walking into the theater. How about there that? You go. There you go. So, so Star Wars, we have not talked about this. This is the mm. first time you're going to hear this from me. Yeah, lay it on me, Chris. Spoiler free. I had a really good time. I liked it. So... There you go. <laughs> not gonna, not gonna, not gonna beat around the bush a little bit. I, I liked it. I am on that side of it. I, um, I have been following. We're not, we're not big proponents of Rotten Tomatoes here. Uh, we, we understand its use as an aggregator, and I lean more towards the critics on this. Uh, I had a good time. I think it, it. I've never been so surprised so many times in a movie, especially a Star Wars movie, and I really applaud it for taking an off the beaten path approach to this while growing the franchise and still, you know, giving me a lot of good moments that shocked and, and enthralled me throughout this whole movie. I, I just can't, I can't, I mean, I'm not going to say it's, it's not the best star Wars movie and you know, empire strikes back. still holds that, but by golly, I like it a lot more than the force awakens. Wow. All right. Well, so. I, I, guess, I guess the best way I can just start this off is I thought The Force Awakens was much better than this movie. Oh, uh, I, I don't I don't think this movie is is bad. I just think that there were some decisions made inside of this film uh, by Ryan Johnson that I just didn't quite agree with that I think might be preference, but also I think just critically just would have made better sense to make some other decisions. So uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this movie. Uh, like I said, it's about two and a half hours long. I felt like I really felt the length of this movie, which is not necessarily the the best uh, the best um, uh, compliment to give a movie. Uh, I honestly thought when the theater was going to be done rolling, uh, it was going to be like midnight, but we got out around 1030 so uh, I felt like there, there's a little bit in this movie that could have been cut out to maybe make it feel a little snappier. Uh, I have a lot of questions leaving this movie. It seemed like uh, Ryan Johnson decided to make his own Star Wars movies, which is exactly what you should do when you're when you're directing a franchise film. You know, you want to make it your own. We talk about a lot of that on this show, like when a director gets its own Marvel movie or when a director gets its own Warner Brothers movie. Hopefully, Warner Brothers will make them make it their own. So, but I felt like in the attempts to to do that, there were some things left behind in The Force Awakens that wasn't answered unfortunately which was kind of a bummer so i am still trying to craft my opinion about this movie and i've seen a lot of similar people say the same things and that they feel like they need to see the movie one more time at least a second time to kind of wrap their head around it so uh i i think that's where i'm at right now is i don't think it's a a bad movie i didn't come out of it angry or disappointed there was some really beautiful shots in the movie some awesome practical effects some awesome special effects uh some amazing performances from adam driver and mark hamill like holy cow uh i i would see this movie a thousand times just for the two of them even if the rest of the movie was the worst which it's not so i think there's lots of awesome things in the movie and also a lot of 
not so awesome things in the movie. So I guess I kind of just like fall in the middle between the the love it or hate it scale, which it doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It's just I don't know. I think the only thing I can do right now, Chris, is just talk to you about this for a while and just see how this all shakes out at the end, and maybe I'll have a more clear view of this movie. Yeah, that that tends that tends to work. I I agree. This is going to be the most divisive Star Wars movie mm-hmm. probably to date. Um, it is. I mean, I think we can both agree it's better than any of the prequels. Oh yeah, for sure uh, <laughs> by by a long shot. So. Um, if you have to do four, five, six, or seven, I mean, I, I think a lot of people who have complaints about this movie also would have complaints about watching four or five. Like you just like you can't say that about this movie and not have it not apply to four and five. Like Empire, like your criticisms for this movie are the exact same problems that Empire has mm-hmm. or A New Hope would have, and and by they're not perfect films in the scope of the world. Um, in, in terms of, of, of length, Empire to me is a very long movie, but it, I, so I don't know, but we're going to, when we talk about spoilers here in a minute, Mike, there is a, a scene in this movie that resonates with me to this moment as a filmmaker that I've never seen done. And I, I absolutely love it. And I, I can't say enough good things about this scene. And when we talk about spoilers, you'll, you'll know, but I, I get it. I think a lot of people have taken Star Wars upon themselves, and this movie doesn't do that. This movie creates, like, it just keeps going with Star Wars in its own thing, and you have to let go of a lot of what you thought was going to happen and, and projecting onto it, because this movie breaks a lot of expectations, and, like, um, you know, like you, you, you mentioned, doesn't answer some questions, but that's okay, and we've got one more movie to, to I guess, not wrap the trilogy up, but, you know... Maybe wrap it up. I don't know. We don't know. So, yeah, is it time for spoilers? Yeah, I think we, I think I, we I, just it's need so to... hard to not say anything. Like, I, I, everyone wants to know. Like, they ask me, I'm like, I'm not telling you anything unless you've seen it. Like, I'm not talking about it yeah. until we yeah. watch the movie. So. Yeah, let's do it. Let's just jump right into spoilers. I, I got to talk about this. I got to talk about all of these things. So, uh, I was telling you just before we started recording this that uh, I'm kind of organizing my thoughts here based on pros, cons, and questions. So I just want to go ahead and talk about my uh, my most favorite thing in the movie, if that is the best way to eloquently say that. It is by far the the light speed uh, kamikaze yes, in, so, into that imperial imperial ship uh, or the fleet, I guess to say. So this is what I was talking about. This is what I consider Star Wars has always been a good looking movie mm-hmm. by far. This is the moment Star Wars went beautiful in film. Yeah. Um, not only is it impactful, like I, I was talking with, um, friend of the show, Brian from comic UI, he's mm-hmm. like, I would love to just record the audience, the, the immediate hush of the crowd. Oh, wow. The moment yeah. that happens because they, they cut all sound in, on, in the movie as well. Yeah. Um, what a just amazing de- decision because I feel like there's another filmmaker out there that just would have taken upon himself to do the exact same scene with just the most amount of explosions physically possible rendered on any given like machine out there of just like i gotta see every beam and every girder being destroyed on 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 it was snoke's ship correct uh yeah it was, it was snoke's um i guess his big ship yeah yeah so it was just amazing and beautiful and the moment was just held uh, I, I'm not sure if it went black and white, but it, it was did, close. <laughs> it did did definitely hit that two tone and like just 
Wow, yeah, like like you said, the hush that went over the audience was just like. <gasps> and and the it, thing is, it's amazing. not even close ups of it. It's very very far away shots of this mm-hmm. happening, and I don't know this. The way it was handled is probably the best moment I to me in, in any Star Wars movie to date. And like yeah. people will be talking about it. If you like the movie or hate the movie, that scene will be loved by everybody for yeah, years it, to come. Yeah, exactly. When you talk about the pantheon of, of Star Wars in the next 10, 20, 30 years, however many more movies are created after that, that is this scene has just gotta be in like the top ten of just the coolest things I've ever seen. So mm-hmm. that's off the bat pro. I just wanted to get that right out there. But also at the same time to kind of highlight some of the cons I felt this movie had was that beautiful moment I felt like would have had a little bit more payoff if Leia was the one piloting so, the ship. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna prevent you from doing a lot of this like, <laughs> because you're projecting what you thought you wanted on this movie. No, um, I don't think that's it at all. I think well, everyone's like, well, Leia should have died or Luke shouldn't have died. Well, that's that's not your really that's not anyone's calls to make of who and who shouldn't have died. Um, my I applaud them. For think I thought they killed Leia five fucking minutes into this movie. Like, <laughs> the second they blew her out the airlock, I'm like, oh my god, is this how they fixed it? Like, is this how they got rid of her? Like, they they're not just gonna leave us hanging with this, right? Um, thankfully, that's not the case. But I applaud them for not changing the movie to get rid of Leia just because she, you know, Carrie Fisher passed away in real life. Um, how they're gonna handle that? Or the future is, you know, a story for another day. But at least they yeah. didn't change it to say, hey, she's dead in real life. We have to kill her in the movie. Well, yeah, but that's one thing that I'm really curious about because they have gone ahead and they, I think they've guaranteed that they're not going to be doing any sort of CG recreation on her for the movies going forward. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in our and normal news as, shows as we've talked about this. As far as we know, last news cycle, probably not. Yeah, the, so the, the film has changed directors. We may see something different based on some feedback from this movie. I mean, it can, a lot can change in you know two years, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't think they will be using using her as much now. Yeah, I'm just it's just like we had such a like a monumental ending uh, for Luke, and we'll I'm sure we'll talk about that moment here momentarily. But I felt like we never got our conclusive end. For Leia in this movie. Now I get it. There might have been a whole story where maybe she is supposed to uh, be lost in the third movie. You know, like we lose a hero each movie. Han in the first movie, Luke in the second, Leia in the third. Um, And maybe they wanted to do like an even spread. Spread out the death of our heroes a little bit more. But I don't think they can just avoid the fact that everybody know that we lost Carrie Fisher this year. So I thought it just would have been like a spectacular send off to, to for her character to sacrifice herself for her resistance, like with that most amazing, beautiful shot that we just took up that we just saw because Holdo was just a very bizarre character that kind of redeemed herself at the end, but then she had this really kind of dumb solution to not tell Poe, who was basically running amok on her ship about this plan it's just like lady if you just would have fessed up and told poe what your plan was he probably just would have settled down and not literally mutinied your ship and the whole mutiny subplot i it's just really hard for me to accept 
because uh, I, I I like that Poe was kind of just taking matters into his own hands because he thinks everything around him is crumbling. He's trying to save everyone around him. So he thinks he's being the hero. So he decides to do a mutiny. And then all of a sudden, Holdo decides to shoot one of the people that are mutinying her. I believe she actually took a blast at one of those people. I don't it, know if it, it was it was killed. a stun. It was a stun. Yeah, so it was just like, lady, you could have avoided all of this if you just told this dude something, anything. It, it just We never well, really got any clear reasoning so, why she withheld that information. I felt like uh, we just decided, let's just not tell Poe so we have something for him to do in the middle of this movie. So there are two reasons I think they didn't do it, and it, this could have been cut. But first off, I don't think we should kill, kill Carrie Fisher in the movie because she died in real life. That's how I'm going to end that conversation with that one. Like, just because they die in real life, we don't have to kill them in the movie. Um, as for this, you know, they have a stormtrooper on the ship who says he defected, and then they're somehow tracking him through light speed. They might want to compartmentalize that information a little bit more, um, especially with Poe being so closely related to Finn. Um, and they probably didn't explain it, but that was the, my impression I got. Like, everyone's like, oh, you're Finn, you defected, but... You know, you're kind of sketchy because uh, Rose did taser him in the yeah, in that the thing. Mo- that moment must have been extraordinarily fleeting, or I just blinked, or I went momentarily uh, deaf or something because I never, I I feel like I never heard that I line. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was said explicitly, but that was my impression. Like, like they're they're tracking the ship, and although they're saying like, oh, this some sort of technical thing that this um, pipe worker just somehow knew about off the top of her head. Um, Rose is probably my least favorite character is, is what I'm going <laughs> to say to begin with because she mm. just she's all over the, the fucking place um, but I, I mean I, I I get why it was there I mean at, at the end of the day like you know you have a stormtrooper and then also they're tracking you through light speed what if there is a leak in the, in the resistance you, you never know and there was the uh, um, Benicio Del Toro's character who may have you know who sold people out as well oh benicio del toro we will get to you (laughs) here here momentarily but you were talking about rose and i thought rose's sister had a pretty amazing role at the beginning of the movie i really loved that bombing run on the dreadnought because holy crap i wasn't expecting to see a dreadnought i don't know about you but i thought that was pretty intimidating i was like oh holy crap a giant basically uh star destroyer just showing up out of nowhere just having these giant cannons and then I kind of liked how the resistance, their plan was just like, we just got to get these really slow moving bombers over the top of the dreadnought and we got it. But the problem is, is we're probably, everyone's going to die probably just to get these bombers overhead. So I thought that was really cool. And her sister, that, I love that moment of tension of her banging on the ladder to get that thing to fall down. I was like, did this you, is a really great way to start the movie. Did you the, think the she tension. was going to use the force to pull the thing to her? No, I actually didn't at all. They were popping Okay, Because she had like her hand stretched out and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> not everyone's a force user, are they? Uh, no, but I mean that was really that's one of those situations where like they blew up that ship and they showed us every fucking explosion on that ship. <laughs> like that's the opposite of the uh, light speed, I guess. Yeah, explosion, I, which, which yeah. Is, is still cool. Like that starting off with a space battle and a runaway, like you know that, that I thought that was a very interesting choice. How did you feel? Like so, in that moment, so there are two things about this moment, this movie. The rebels are always losing. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't feel any hope. Like, I'm like, at any moment, any of these people could die at this, like, in this movie. Because, like, they felt like they were losing every second of the way. Mm-hmm. But how did you feel about, like, Poe's, like, the, the, 
there was a bunch of like kind of slapstick comedy scenes. Yeah, so like the, I know that's a modern thing. Like there's there's not that many in the older Star Wars. It's more of a modern movie kind of thing. But he like he put um, Hux on the phone. It was like I'm waiting for Hux, and they did this little shtick. Yeah, for, like, two, so, who's on first for like two minutes kind of. Yeah, thing. so I'm really glad you brought that up. So this is uh, something that definitely is falling under my cons. And if you listen to our Thor Ragnarok review, uh, this is definitely something that crops up in there a little bit is there's some sort of trend that's happening in Hollywood now when it comes to humor. It, it's, it's almost just like if, if, the, if the audience isn't laughing, they're not enjoying the movie, and that's not true. I feel like there's a lot of tense moments in this movie and a lot of really emotional moments that are just totally undercut, and they pull the rug out from under us with some sort of weird, bizarre joke. Uh, so I thought it was super awesome that Poe shows up one-on-one with this X-Wing. We know he's like one of the best. Uh, one on like a million. Yeah, we know he's like the best uh, pilot in the galaxy. We saw that in The Force Awakens. We, uh, You know, the movie's just starting. We're all super still jazzed on seeing the Star Wars crawl and the Lucasfilm uh, glittering uh, insignia at the beginning. And then just all of this tension just like that gone because he's making kind of like a weird weird childlike joke now i saw some people kind of defending this saying that oh when poe met kylo ren at the beginning of the force awakens he goes oh who talks first you talk first or we talk first it's like yeah but comedy is all about timing that moment was there and gone very quickly and there was all it always was very ominous dark and kylo ren he was very intimidating here it just yeah it felt very weird and slapsticky and there's other moments in the movie where that humor happens as well. And it, some people are saying, oh, this is like the Marvel humor trickling in the Star Wars. And I was like, it's, it's kind of unfortunate because the Marvel humor makes sense in the Marvel universe. I don't think it needs to trickle into our Star Wars. Well, I don't think it's Marvel humor. I just think it's filmmaking as a whole. Like any movie you have now lightens, like le- like they have to have some sort of break in the tension and darkness with a moment of levity because nobody wants to go watch a a movie where they feel miserable the whole whole time um, anymore, and you got to keep people's attention. Uh, so to me, it, it the intro one's not so much, but like they sprinkle this out, and and it, it like you mentioned, it changes the tonality of the scenes uh-huh. a little bit. And I saw it a lot more with like Luke Skywalker. Uh, had a lot more of it than than I thought he would. Um, it, it, was a, it, now, it was now, mind a... you, he's been exiled for. <laughs> however many years on this weird planet with these little caretakers. So, you know, he may be going a little like, you know, leaning into the Yoda <laughs> of empire, but he didn't lean far enough into it. Yeah. I so guess. it was, it, so if we, if we got to go ahead and jump onto Luke on his uh, little Jedi Island, I have very mixed feelings about uh, that portion of Luke. Um, I thought half of it really worked because I was like, oh, yeah, I totally feel this kind of like outsider Yodaness coming from him. He's being kind of quirky, doing what he wants. Like, surprisingly, I feel like I'm the only person on the Internet that wasn't totally turned off by him milking that weird sea creature. I thought green it was milk. just kind of- green milk. <laughs> it's, a new, it's a new trend. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of I thought it was bizarre, but I was just like, I guess this is just what happens when you move to an island by yourself. You know, you just get by however you can. And I and, and I've always kind of really appreciated the quirky 
creatures and animals in Star Wars, especially when they're somewhat practical. So to me, I was just happy to see something, mm-hmm. a real, a really weird creature design. I guess Luke had to milk it, so go ahead and milk it, Luke. Yeah, I mean, he's got to live somehow, so I'm, I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. yeah, but the weird thing that I did not like, I guess not weird, but so I watched The Force Awakens just a few days before I went and saw this movie, and it was the first time I had seen it at home on home video, and it had and been a while since I revisited it. Uh, and it was just really nice to to go back and feel kind of uh, the the wonderful moments that I loved in The Force Awakens. And I love the way The Force Awakens ends, just with that aerial shot flying around Luke on the island with Rey just holding out this lightsaber. And for the whole two years, we're just waiting to see what happens. She's just holding this out like, I have found you. I have found the most powerful, possibly one of the last Jedis on the planet that can ever train me. He's the key to everything. The whole first movie revolved around finding a map just to find you. And just before the credits roll, we have no idea what's happened. We left on a cliffhanger. And then what happens as soon as we come back to Luke? He takes a lightsaber, he chucks it behind him, and the whole audience laughs. That's not what I wanted. I well, didn't okay, want to laugh at that moment. <laughs> you're projecting yet again, Mike. Like you're saying, like this is what I wanted from Star Wars. Well, well, be, well, yeah, but I mean, that's what they put on the audience. If you leave the first Star Wars movie to come back in years, and you leave it on this whole cliffhanger of finally revealing Luke, we haven't even seen Mark Hamill as a Jedi on screen, and God knows how long. I don't remember. I can't do the math. In, in my head right now but we finally see him in, in this tense moment and he sees his lightsaber again for the first time that's amazing moment of tension that we end the movie on and i don't understand why we just can't get some payoff with that instead of just chucking the lightsaber and just making like do 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 i don't want you're this build, anymore. you're building your own payoff in your head that's not there like they they knew what they were going to do with luke before this happened they, they have these movies planned out you can't expect him to be like, oh, this is some sort of reverent moment here. It might be for us, but it's not in the movie. It's not for him. He's well, like, no, oh, I lost my hand. I found out my father was the evil, most evil person in the galaxy. I don't I mean I don't want to see that thing either. And like, who are you? You're not supposed to find me. Well, yeah, I, I get I that, but there's I, there's I'm, a way to do that without comically chucking it behind you. I mean, he he could. I mean, because I don't. I didn't laugh nearly as much as everybody else did. I don't think it was that funny. I mean, he's just like, I don't care. Like the nonchalantness is what I I picked up from that that scene. Like it's not like oh, we'll chuck it and push you over the edge because I'm I'm a funny old man. He's like I just don't care. Well, it, I, I I mean I'll push back on the fact that we think that we know where Luke is supposed to go. This entire trilogy is I don't think that's entirely true. Uh, there's a there's like a, a big quote that's been flo- floating around from Mark Hamill just like the last 24 hours that I had never seen before, but it's resurfacing now that a lot of people have questions about Luke's character. Where in an interview he said that he personally did not like the decisions that Ryan Johnson made for Luke's character, but Mark Hamill is a goddamn professional, and he knew that he was going to do the best he could to execute Ryan Johnson's vision. So who, I think who, I who think is Mark, who is Mark Hamill to say what Luke Skywalker is going to do. I think he may have played the role, but he is not the the story maker of Luke Skywalker. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying I don't think Luke's fate has been telegraphed as far future as you think it has. I think Ryan Johnson had a lot of control on what exactly was going to be happening to Luke. So I don't I don't think like uh, just the the Disney CEO and board of directors like sat down after they bought Lucasfilm and just like okay no Luke is going to do this. I think it's very much Ryan Johnson's decision. So uh, I, I I don't think so. I think that when they sit down like we have to make three movies. Here's the first movie. Overview second and third with Lucasfilm, they definitely knew what they were going to be doing. Like 
again, I think they had the, the I agree with you that the three movies, someone was going to die in each movie is what I've always said. And this one was supposed to be Luke's and then Carrie Fisher lay was supposed to be the third one. Um, they may have to tweak that. Like the last one may get tweaked a little bit, but I think they, they knew what they were like broad strokes. Luke is almost the Yoda character of this. He is the crazy, like seemingly crazy hermit who doesn't want anything to do with, you know, with outsiders. He's here. He doesn't want people coming and bother him. He made a bad decision. He has to live with creating the, now the most evil person in the galaxy, or guess second most, who then killed the most. Yeah, no, person. I'll agree with that. I like the I like the direction that they took with Luke's character. I'm just talking about specific scenes here. Oh well, but if maybe, we, but I mean, I don't. I I took it as like he is Luke is just so non. He doesn't want to deal with that life anymore. Like I'm not the hero you thought I was. Could have probably been handled in a little better way, yes. But it's not like I don't think he's like doing it for slapstick comedy. He just threw it over because like I don't want this anymore. Like this is not for me. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. We there's going to be other moments in this movie where stuff like that crops up, and it just gets, it gets there, a little tiring for me after a while. It's just like, just let me feel a moment, Star Wars. Just there, let me there, feel a moment when you give it to me on screen. There, you know? I mean, I agree. There are, there are sprinklings of this, and and, and it's more sprinklings than like holy, like to think of an example, Thor: The Dark World, where a death is punctuated by a joke. Um, and you know, like one of them I think is when Ray cuts the rock with the lightsaber, and like she's like. I don't know, just channeling lightsaber fighting and it falls on those little caretakers. I'm like, well, we didn't need to see the rock fall on the caretakers. Like that, 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 that ruins that punctuation that she is more powerful innately than anyone ever thought she was. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to throw, throw a pro on you, Chris, since we're here talking about the island. You want to know what a pro is? There was, I thought, minimal porg. For as much Porg fever as there was over the last couple months with these trailers, and I saw Porg toys, Legos, just everywhere out the butt, uh, I thought the moments where we saw the Porgs, they were they were used very well. Like, it was just kind of a uh, slight little bit of humor, some interaction with with Chewie. I, I actually had to, I had to run to the bathroom, and I had to pick my moment. And my moment happened when I came back. Uh, my wife told me, it was like, oh, you missed a moment where, like, uh, Chewie was trying to get the Porgs off of his dashboard or something in the Millennium Falcon. I was like, oh, wow, that actually sounded funny. I wish I didn't miss that. So I thought they, they cleverly used the Porgs well. Uh, uh, but the, the amount that they were showing them out there, I almost thought the Porg was going to be the one that hacked that uh, walker instead of BB-8 and like murdered a bunch of people. I was like, they're really building up the porgs uh, in this marketing. Well, I think the marketing is, is a lot like the baby group marketing of Guardians 2. Mm-hmm. He was literally everywhere, but he wasn't in the movie. Like, he didn't affect the movie that much, you know? Uh-huh. Like, he was in there just enough, but like, they definitely merchandised the shit out of him because they were oh, like, yeah. We can make small things, little fluffy things, and and they squeak, and they look like Furbies, and they got big sad (laughs) eyes. People with cats will probably assume that this is like their cat. I'm one of those people. So, (laughs) yeah, I agree. I mean, the Porg thing's a big controversy that I think was, again, blown out of proportion. Like, it wasn't that bad. Like, it was blown out of Porg portion, if you will. Porg portion. Porg portion. So, now i got (laughs) to ask what you thought. I mean, this is, that's the the fun side, the, the dark side. What do you think about Snoke? Snoke. All right. Here we go, Chris. Snoke, you want to know where Snoke falls under my list? He falls under cons and he falls under questions. Okay. So I, I, I think the biggest one here is who the, who the hell is Snoke? I mean, we, we've talked about... 
uh, we, I, I actually do kind of care still. I mean, I know he's been dispatched, but we but talked so- about Snoke quite a bit in our normal news episodes, uh, uh, just trying to figure out what he's like. I don't think we went as deep as a lot of the theorists out there trying to figure out all the little nitty gritty things about him, but I was really curious, like, was he actually tall? Was he short? What how, What's the deal with the hologram? Like, what makes him so powerful? What What's his past? Like, what makes him a bad guy? So... The thing, why I want to know more about Snoke is because when he died, I didn't really give a shit. I was just like, okay, he's a bad guy and he got killed, but I I don't care that he died. He died in a really cool way, which segued into an amazing fight scene, which is under my pros list for sure. Uh, But I didn't really feel the weight of him dying. Like, I was surprised that a lot of people, like, clapped and cheered when Snoke died in my theater. And I was just kind of like... Why are you clapping and cheering? You barely know who Snoke is. You saw him for like a minute or two in the last movie, and he's had a little bit more screen time here. We get to see his fleshy face, but like, so you usually you, cheer for somebody when you do don't. Do you care? Him. Do you care about the Emperor when he dies? Well, I mean, the Emperor is kind of built up a little bit more, and no, he's the one not, pulling not, the strings. Not in the, not in the original movies. He Emperor has maybe a minute more screen time than Snoke does in the original well, trilogy. Well, we also, I feel like we know a little bit more about nope. the Emperor, I guess not from the prequels. No, nope. I mean, if you take the if you take the trilogies as a whole, and, you know, the prequels weren't out whenever the originals came out, I mean, Palpatine had the same amount of time overall. I mean, this is, he essentially mirrors Palpatine's rise and fall in the movies one movie earlier than what he was in the other ones. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just kind of strange because I do like how they subverted the trope and killed Snoke just kind of very cleverly in the second movie. I think almost everybody out there was expecting Snoke to be a guy that at Mm -hmm. least dies at the end of the second movie, but more than likely dies in the third movie. So I was surprised, but also I didn't really feel the weight of it. One thing that I really would have enjoyed in that scene, which I think would have just maybe really helped me, is we we all know Snoke was playing Kylo Ren from the very beginning just using him as a tool you know didn't really care much about his future just constantly toying with his emotions but i only ever felt the anger from kylo ren when it was directed towards the people that was getting in the way he always still seemed to be on snoke's side i think it would have been great to see a moment where like maybe snoke actually reached out and like striked kylo maybe just like physically just got into his space or maybe use the force or maybe like snoke in some way like did something to his scars. I don't know. I just felt like uh, we never really got any sort of close interaction between Snoke and Kylo. So when Kylo decided to dispatch Snoke, I was kind of hoping for like, well, why exactly is this the moment where he does it, you know? Well, it's one of those things where he does, he does, he, he, he pokes at Kylo's nerves and that's probably more real than if he slapped him or, or, or hit him with some sort of force lightning, I think, because he's like, you know, you, you know, you, you aren't the the person we were promised. You're not Vader. And that's all Kylo wanted to be was the next Vader. And he, he plays on that broken psyche a lot. Like he plays him like Kylo, like a, a fiddle the whole time. But then, you know, he's still conflicted because he, he, I mean, he's not Kylo. Like, I don't know. I don't get the, the connection between the two. That made me think they were related in, in reality, they weren't because they had mm-hmm. that Luke and Leia. So I'm not, I'm not sure I'm sold on that connection where they can like talk to each other. Like someone said, it was like the Force FaceTime. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, for all... each other. But but I but at the same time, I get you know he 
when he we're not supposed to feel the weight when Snoke dies. We're supposed to feel the weight when Kylo Ren stays evil and he and stays on the dark side and does not come to the light side. So we now have this built up where like he is in charge of the first order and Ren is or not uh, not Ren Ray is in charge of the I guess the um, resistance. Like those are their two big weapons that that will come to blows and that's where I felt the way it was like when they pulled the lightsaber apart because they both can't stand on the same level. So yeah. that was I, I, that was where I felt that more so than Snoke dying. Yeah, I really liked Kylo's motivation through the movie of just like uh he's basically saying like fuck the past, kill it. You yeah. know, I, I I thought that worked really well for him. Like he doesn't need some sort of grandiose plan or uh, just anything overcomplicated. It's just like he just hates everything in his past so much that he is just going to take it to the extreme and just evaporate everything screw the resistance screw the empire he just wants to see it all burn which i think works really really well for just like your big bad villain and i almost thought they were going to turn him there for a second but like when they're in that really awesome throne room fight which was really amazing and choreographed very very well i started to think to myself well he can't turn because if he turns, who's left to fight in this movie? Like, there's no third movie if they turn him right now. So, uh, I, so it was a little less surprising when he stayed evil, but it was a it was the right decision. Right. Well, I think um, a Kylo Ren led First Order in the last movie is going to be different than a Snoke led First Order because mm-hmm. uh, Kylo Ren is obviously very much Im- um, impulsive and reactionary. Such so as when he saw Luke Skywalker on the planet crate, he was like, "Fire all your." guns on this son of a bitch right here like uh-huh. obliterate him and like, everyone's like okay that's that's enough do you think you got him kind of thing so yeah i think he's going to waste he's going to whittle down the first order from the inside tracking these rebels down now and and ray to end them whereas snoke was like i'm playing the long game here like i don't have to worry about you know the little stuff doesn't bother me i'm playing the long game yeah, do you think in the next movie maybe the, the the Knights of Ren might get a chance to show up? Because I, I, I don't know who the fuck the Knights of Ren are, but apparently they're supposed to be a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they, they did tease those very much in the first one. And with Abrams returning, you know, he might have the ability to answer a lot of those questions from 7 in 9 that, that maybe he, he left lingering a little bit, you know. And with Snoke and his little guards out of the way, uh, who got dispatched so cool. Like, I, mm-hmm. I mean... The lightsaber through the face hole was pretty was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was like that. I feel like we got a lot. We got to explore a lot of things about the lightsaber in general inside of that fight. I've always kind of just wanted to see what would happen if someone just turned on a lightsaber just for a second. Like, why has it always got to be a sword? Why can't you just kind of use it as like a little laser beam? So <laughs> just them turning it on for a second, that was really badass. And I thought them kind of force pulling that one lightsaber was really fucking cool. Yeah. And seeing like what happens when you put all of this power into one weapon and then it just kind of splits and explodes. I was like, that's really cool. That's the kind of expanding lore that I really like to see because I feel like you only ever see those things in like a one-off cartoon or a comic book or something mm-hmm. like that. So I was just like, yeah, show it to me. That's like really cool. So I like that Ren is kind of left with this lightsaber broken now. It's like, oh, maybe we're going to get to see her like maybe make her own lightsaber or maybe try track down like another jedi temple to try to learn how to make it i guess she still has all of those jedi books in the falcon right at the very she, she end does, of the movie. she does have the books and she kept the, the blade but also in luke's cave is the red lightsaber crystal from darth vader uh-huh. uh, i don't know if you saw that hanging but it was no, uh, on one of the things when he was 
when we first went to him. No, I didn't see it. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. We might see her. It might pull an, um, a Return of the Jedi where Luke just showed up with a new green one kind of thing. Yeah, maybe. Um, but speaking of characters, uh, Captain Phasma got the short stick yet again, oh, probably geez, for yeah. the last time. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think it's pretty clear that uh, Phasma is done falling into that fiery pit. Uh, I had one uh, strong moment when I was watching this movie thinking this would be an amazing 10-episode HBO series because there is so much stuffed into this two-and-a-half-hour movie that I want to explore so much more of that I felt like, what if we just had like a whole hour-long episode where we're following Captain Phasma? We learn a little bit about her past. We learn why she's a bad guy. As far as we know, like there's no reason to have such a grudge against her. She's just a fancy-looking stormtrooper. I know that they kind of alluded in The Force Awakens that, you know, she she may have been the, the commander that lorded over Finn, that maybe she was the one that took Finn from his family and, and raised him and taught, taught him to, like, kill people. But we never saw any of that directly. So to have such a big triumphant battle between Finn and Captain Phasma, I, I didn't really feel mm-hmm. much of the weight of it. I was just like... It's cool to see Captain Phasma doing something a little bit more and just not being thrown down a, a garbage chute. <laughs> no, she was thrown down a fiery pit instead <laughs> of of a ship that kind of almost got blown up. Yeah, I didn't. I, she was she was wasted. That was kind of rough. I didn't really care much for the Canto bite. Um, I guess subplot. What um, is the Canto bite? The the Canto bite is the the, the gambling casino. Oh, I, I I have it earmarked as Casino Planet because I didn't remember the names of really anything in this. But well, because I don't know is is this DJ character the one they were supposed to find, or or did they not find the right guy, or what what why did this guy happen to have all the skills they were looking for? <laughs> yeah, this in that thing, real- I thought they were gonna show something later, like oh yeah, that's the guy you're supposed to get because well, oh, he had so- like a tattoo or something. So, uh, did you think that Benicio del Toro, before they revealed him, did you think he was going to be like a callback or an Easter egg or something? No, I, I, I totally thought it was going to be Lando. I was like, that's that's got it. That's going to be Lando. They're going to show Lando come out from around there. Uh, but it, but it wasn't. Even though I we knew Lando wasn't supposed to be in this movie, but I was like, isn't Lando Billy D. Williams is kind of old now, so I don't know. I, I would have like made him like <laughs> some like old guy at the casino gambling, like. Because that's how he won the Millennium Falcon. Like, he just spends his old time and his old age gambling. Yeah, that would have been cool. But, yeah, the Casino Planet is, I think, objectively, whether you're a critic or a fan, I think everybody can agree that it's got to be the weakest part of the film. It's I the mean, slowest part, for sure. Yeah, um, it, and we we know the whole Casino Planet is set up because uh, Maz Kanata they get her on the uh, that, I didn't the like resist- that. I didn't like that either. Yeah, they get her on the resistance FaceTime, as you like to say. Yeah, and she's she is very very specific with her order. She said there is one person in the galaxy that can beat this encryption. One person. He is your only shot to do this because. It's, because they are trying to let the audience know it is going to be so impossible to make it inside of this inside of Snoke's uh, bedroom, as DJ says uh, later in the in the movie. So once we actually see the dude with that that rose pin, like this dude's got to be a big deal. They're going to have to do some sort of wheeling and dealing to convince him. And then, uh, nope, he's not the guy. We're just going to just take the random Benicio del Toro that's happened coincidentally uh-huh. to be sleeping in our cell. 
And yeah, he says he can do it too. So what happened to Maz's orders of just like, th- you're, this is impossible unless you have this yeah. one key. Like, no, here's just another dirty key on the ground. This will work, right? Because the key happens to be by us. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was just so weak. Well, it, it happened to be by them in the same place they were told to get the other guy. I thought it was going to be revealed that he lost, like, you know, he lost that thing after being thrown in jail. Like, that, this was that really w- the guy, but, like, you don't know it. Chris, that is a great idea, and I felt like that could be something that would have been very easy to put in the movie. You know, that you know he could have that could have just been one quick scene where he just lost I, it gambling or something. I know? don't think he's done. Um, I didn't, We didn't see him die, and he ran off with all the money. Um, so I don't know when he's going to come back into play. But I think he'll be back in the next movie. Yeah, he. it seems like uh, he took a very interesting uh, stab at the character to have a little bit of a stutter, kind of a little bit of a, a nonchalant um, uh, He only a had a stutter to when him. he wasn't working on, on stuff, I noticed. Mm-hmm. I, thought that was, I thought it was an interesting take. I'll, I'll give him that, like, of all the characters you could have chosen. He wasn't some, like guy in the chair at the computer hacking on stuff yeah he just wasn't you know benicio del toro just in a costume so yeah yeah i didn't really mind that but uh the casino planet kind of ends in this uh weird animal-esque pod racing chase uh with with weird foxes horses instead uh and yeah, i that's guess how that the movie ended as well on this planet Do you like i get the children are being like sparked to rebel but he also held his broom up like a lightsaber is that what yeah. everyone was saying? And I'm well, like, did, I don't quite get it. Well, I saw some people asking this online because they weren't sure, and it looks like it's been confirmed through a lot of people I've seen. But he grabs that broom using the force at the very end. I don't know if you caught that. I didn't catch that at all. Yeah, uh, it's very brief. Uh, he held, he holds his hand up to the broom and just a couple inches away, and he uses the power of the force to bring the broom to him. So that's supposed to be our moment at the end of the movie to go, oh, okay, there are more Jedis out there being born. And I thought Force users. Kind of, force users. Yeah, this is kind of a weird balance that this movie is trying to take, where they're beating us over the head that this is called The Last Jedi. The Jedi are going to extinct. They should go extinct. They shouldn't go extinct. Uh, Rey and Luke are the last Jedi. Kylo's gone the dark side over there. He still technically could be a Jedi. We don't really know what's going on. We think there's just a handful of them left. But also, it's the, the Force seems to be very organic, like Luke says, and it's impossible for it to go away. Like, even maybe just before it gets snuffed out, the Force will ultimately come back no matter what and, and take hold of uh, some younger kids or, you know, what have you. So I guess maybe that's where this this movie is going into the future. Maybe there's going to be some sort of drastic time jump between the second one and third one. So maybe some of these younger Jedi can be trained, possibly. I don't know, because he did say that the Jedi was a stupid religion. I don't know if that's the first time we've heard it directly referred to as a religion, rather mm-hmm. than like a, I don't know, something else. So I thought that was very interesting. So Jedi, not Jedi, but Rey could, you know, create new Force users who definitely, like, are some form of Jedi, but definitely not along the same lines of that corruption that he hinted at was like, you know, happening in, in the prequel movies. Yeah. Um, maybe instead of a Jedi council, um, I do kind of like the mythos that, uh, Luke was subscribing to where he was just like, it's the Jedi that made Darth Vader and yeah. made, and made the rise of dark Sidious. You know, he was just like, he's being very pragmatic about it, which felt very natural for somebody that just, had almost had to kill one of his Padawans. Well, basically. so but also um, at the same time, Luke 
talk to Yoda in this movie, and we haven't Ooh, talked about that yet. Yeah, talk about Yoda. That was a big surprise. I, I, I like these Star Wars movies when they surprise me because I know a lot of people are like, oh, look, it's that thing that you like. Clap. But uh, it, it doesn't subscribe to all the Star Wars tropes that uh-huh. all the other movies have used. So, yeah, I agree. I love the surprises. Yoda, go on, Mike. Yoda being practical. Talk about an amazing decision to go with. Uh, it just it just felt like we're seeing the Yoda that we saw from the original trilogy. Uh, he's just been CG jumping up on walls, flipping around with his like little stubby lightsaber. So just seeing him being a puppet again and seeing Frank Oz in the credits, like man, that was so cool to just see him being kind of like goofy and wacky and like kind of yeah. like poking around and making fun of Luke. It's like that is Yoda. That is Yoda for sure. Just him being kooky and crazy and you can kind of see like I like when Luke kind of lets his his barriers down. Like when he's on the Millennium Falcon and he sees R2 again, he gets kind of a little excited and chipper. You know, or when he sees Yoda, he just kind of reverts to like a dumb kid again and Yoda's just like schooling him. So mm. I I just I love seeing that moment come back from when we first knew to love Luke back in the original trilogy. I, I agree, and I think Yoda was an interesting choice. Everyone's like, oh, it should have been Ben. Well, first off, the actor who played Ben Kenobi, as we last saw him, is dead. Uh-huh. I, I, they should not CGI another character into Star Wars after seeing Tarkin in <laughs> Rogue One. So, But Yoda is also the one who taught him how to become a Jedi. Yeah, I, mean, I never thought him it should have been. Robe, like, robe, but like, Yoda was the, the beginning factor, and like at mm-hmm. the end, he's like, you got to keep this going on, bro. Like, like you may not like it, but you know, something's got to happen. We need a good person on our yeah, side. Yeah, I, I did like Yoda's just uh, idea to just thunderbolt the tree. He was just like, yeah, don't worry about it, man. I'm dead. I've gotten a little bit more perspective here on this side of uh, the plane of existence. Yeah, just blow up this tree. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Yoda was just trying to tell Luke, just like, just chill out, man. Just relax. You're taking everything way too seriously. He's like, oh, you think those books are still in there? Well, I'll burn it before you realize Ray stole them and took them with her. Yeah. So yeah, I, I yeah, I really enjoyed that Yoda moment. I liked the little precious moment we had in the Falcon when we got to see uh, um, R two yeah, project that message yeah. again. It was just like, yeah, that's what that's what Star Wars is all about. Just that original mission of just Luke t- trying to be the hero that it was. Like that first Star Wars movie uh, is a New Hope, I guess, as its title now. It's a very just simple, straightforward hero's journey. So it's just kind of nice to see Luke kind of reflect on that once again. Yeah, and when he thought he was the last Jedi, you know, um, mm-hmm. like when Ben thought he was the last Jedi and, and passed it on to Luke to learn, just like kind of like this. Uh, with Luke dying at the end um, with the two sons there, a lot of people I see are kind of up in arms over it. I'm, I'm not too offended by how he went out. Like, I get it. Like, he he had to go somehow in his last reconnection with the Force, projecting himself across the galaxy on this other planet to fight to to best Kylo Ren in, in a lightsaber duel, pretty much. Yeah, so I I have I have mixed feelings. I'm not saying what they did was the wrong decision. I just felt like maybe it wasn't the the most uh, film. Uh, worthy scene, I guess. Like, so the the one thing I was waiting for in this whole movie was to see Luke finally cut loose, you know. He is theoretically the strongest Jedi out there in the galaxy. He's been training 
ever since he found out he had the Force, ever since he left Tatooine, training other Jedis out there. He's been going through so much, but he's just like, I felt like he was going to be this amazing force to be reckoned with at some point in this movie, or maybe even the third movie, when I thought he might have made it until then. So when he shows up at the end of the movie in front of all of those walkers and in front of Kylo Ren's ship, I was just like thinking, holy crap, shit is about to go down and you know what i thought of in my head i thought of that Gen- that gengi tartakovsky clone wars cartoon where we got to see mace windu literally mm-hmm. like use the force to like pull down and throw around ships and i was just like holy crap are we finally about to see that in live action on the real screen i thought luke was just gonna go ham go nuts and at least I knew it wouldn't be realistic for me to think he could destroy that whole fleet in front of him, but I thought he could at least cause some collateral damage, which would do the exact same thing of killing time. So when he ended up just being a force ghost, I was just like, oh, that's actually really clever. You know, the audience clapped when they saw what happened, and I was like, okay, this is cool, but I was just like, man, was I hoping for some just bombastic, badass Jedi fighting action that I just didn't get, which kind of sucked, but, you know... Is, I guess it's just preference there. You're right. Again, um, but also Luke has never been a Jedi fighter. Um, we've never seen him really do any fighting. Well, we had back on it. Well, we hadn't seen him in like what forty years. I right. thought maybe over forty years something well, else could have happened. But I mean, at the same like he he disconnected from the Force and just to come back and be like, oh, I'm gonna. Uh, to me, like Dragon Ball Z, he's not going to come back and go Super Saiyan in the middle of this. Like, no, I want my Jedi to go. Super I know Saiyan. you that want your Jedi so cool. Super Saiyans. That would have been so cool, man. But but at the same time, I, I the second he walked, I'm like, oh, he's not the same person. His goatee's dark and his hair's cut. I just thought he cut his hair. He's like, hey, I haven't been out of the house in a while. I should oh, probably no. cut my hair before I go see my sister. Oh no, he looked he looked rough. He looked rough <laughs> whenever like I, he was able to play both sides. The 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 flashback Luke and that Luke had like the uh, the cleaner like less bags under his eyes uh, yeah kind of look. so I was, I was I could tell right away I'm like oh something's going on here so um, so so Chris are are yeah. we supposed to assume as the audience that projecting yourself across the galaxy is just so taxing on the soul and on the Jedi Force that just once you're done with it you you it's just gonna wither you away and kill you or was this kind of luke's decision to just kind of like go can a jedi just kind of like just let himself go and die i guess it's left open for interpretation but i kind of felt like that 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 trick was just too powerful to just only ever do once you know well i i I think it is very was very taxing but at the same time luke was like i did all i could like this is it um and you know no energy to go back. I mean Ben Kenobi gave up or like not gave up but became one with the Force by choice. Like he disappeared before the lightsaber hit him in yeah. A New Hope. Yeah, but I I always kind of thought like maybe that's just how Jedi's died. You know I, I you know George Lucas was just like well I'm not just gonna show someone dismembered with their guts out in mm. my uh, in my PG movie. You know I think I'm just gonna show him disappear because of the Force. So I kind of thought maybe just like when you're so strong with the Force, the Force just knows when you're about to die and it just kind of like just poofs you away well, to we, just kind of like save you that that gruesome death. Well, but we saw, if you think of the prequels, a lot of Jedi died in the battle on Geonosis and against uh-huh. Darth Sidious, and they didn't poof. 
away. Yeah, so. yeah. So I guess we just have, still have some stuff to explain and explore, which it, which is okay because I do kind of like how we get to learn a little bit more about the Jedi in general. Uh, there was another power, Chris, that we saw a Jedi use in this movie that a lot of people are being very very critical about, and I think you might be surprised that I wasn't too. Um, was it the Star Lord uh, upset moment? About, yeah, I wasn't too so, upset about it. <laughs> so I don't surprise Leia's not a Jedi; she's just a Force user, I think. Um, so I think there's a difference. But yes, the, immediately after they blew me away, I'm like, oh my god, they killed Leia! Like she pulled the Star Lord on us and floated right back into the ship. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's pretty powerful. And yes, she is the daughter of you know the most powerful Jedi or I guess Sith, whatever, Force user in the universe up to that point. Uh-huh. But that's the first time we get to see her use it. Like, that's yeah. a little, that's a lot, <laughs> that's a lot for your first time that we've seen it. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad idea for her to use the Force, but maybe there just could have been a more subtle way to bring her back from the the outer experience the outer expanse of space into the ship. Like maybe instead of her like actually waking up and just kind of like gliding over to the ship in a very weird posture, like what if her eyes stayed closed, but maybe we just saw her fingers twitch a little bit and then maybe like a piece of debris comes up behind her and then we just kind of infer that she's controlling the debris Um, and moving her into the ship. I feel like that that could have just been a little bit more subtle way because obviously – it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I don't think we can say that those people are wrong. It's a very jarring moment. So maybe a little bit more subtlety there would have been a better decision. I thought when I first, when I started, I thought she was going to form like a bubble around her uh-huh. to do it. But it is, it is jarring. I think that's the best way to use it. It's not offensive to me, but it's jarring um, mm-hmm. that that's the first time we see her use the force in, in this, in this, uh, in these sets of movies. Um, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? The crate, I can't believe they waited for the Battle of Crate until the very end. Yeah, uh, I was, I, I thought it was going to end there in space. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I remember seeing this trailer. Where is this planet with all the red dirt? Like, we have not seen that yet. There's no way they cut this out of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's there's a lot going on. Um, like you said, it's a very dense movie. There's a lot going on, but it's probably like got one of the longest um car chases in the history of cinema with the two spaceships it's like we're just gonna stay right out of range yeah i thought that was i don't there, know there's if always I enjoy... a ticking clock but that was a weird ticking clock choice yeah, yeah i that's a good way to put it the the ticking clock is a good way to to raise the stakes in your film but it's kind of hard to feel the tenseness when you have these giant monolithic spaceships one bigger than the other cruising through the openness and vastness of space and with no context around you, it just looks like they're almost stationary. Like it's not like you don't have like asteroids like whizzing like, by them to look like it's a real chase. Like scene, two know? golf carts chasing <laughs> each other through through a golf field. Uh, yeah. So, but that also kind of brings me to the like the point of this battle of crate. Like Ray kind of disappeared after her battle with Kylo on the mm. ship. Like she showed up on the Millennium Falcon shooting a couple things and raising rocks, but they kind of sidelined her in the last. You know. Not act, but 
maybe last act last 10 yeah. 15 minutes he had deus ex falcon at the, there at the at yeah, the minute every... I, I guess i guess it's just because we all know what ray how she may have would have reacted if she would have saw uh, kylo there on the ground so it's just like we just got to get her away from him because she can't resist trying to to murder this motherfucker yeah. so we got to get her as far away as possible I, I do have one scene in this movie mike that made me immediately think of batman v superman and oh, that's really? not okay. a compliment okay <laughs> but but it's because but after sitting out and thinking about it i know why it's there it's whenever mm. she goes into the dark pit and touches the the reflective glass uh yeah i was wondering when we we're gonna get around to that so i get what it is so it's her being able to view the past and future because behind her is the future and in front of her like so behind her was the future in front of her was the past she was looking backwards and seeing herself through time is what it means they don't explain this very well i had to sit down and think about it and like what the hell was going on here but it was very jarring to come to that conclusion well so like, the, like and, and the look of the movie jarred so heavily into that scene. Yeah. Well, I, I totally get kind of maybe the weird psychedelic visuals of it. That didn't really bother me too much just because we do kind of have that weird psychedelic moment when when uh, Luke is training with Yoda and he kind of walks through the cave and, his, and he sees his own face behind his father's uh, or Darth Vader's mask. So I, I, I thought that was kind of okay because it just kind of felt like an homage to that moment. But there's a lot going on in this scene. It was the first time ever in the whole, uh, I think maybe even franchise of Star Wars, where one of the characters is narrating what's happening, so it was very, I was very confused what's going on there. Like Ray was like narrating her experience, and I was like, is she talking to herself? We don't see her speaking, so yeah, that was very confusing. But when you say she was looking at the past and looking at the future. I thought she saw that when she eventually touched Kylo Ren's hand when she was in that little stone hut. I thought she said that's the moment where she saw well, his she future. She saw his future, but she didn't know what the past and future was. She was looking back to her past to figure out her parents in this one. Mm -hmm. So I guess if you're looking at the past and future, you see all the iterations of it. So she was snapping her fingers then and then living through that moment and then watching the past go past her. Yeah, um, I, well, I think it, it's safe to say that it could have been explained. A it was bit very, very. <laughs> it was a very abstract process. Uh, do you believe her parents are nobodies, or do you think that was just something he told her to to throw her off? Well, <laughs> I was just gonna bring that up. Uh, I don't really know what to think because I don't know if we can trust Kylo. He's he's being a little Loki. He was know? being he's, a dick <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> yeah, so maybe he's just trying to get her to do what he wants. But I'm totally okay with that decision. You know, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, ever since Force Awakens comes out, wouldn't it be great if Rey like wasn't related to a Skywalker uh -huh. or to a Kenobi or to a Solo that she was just a one-off person? Because the galaxy is supposed to be gigantic. It's supposed to be this huge place where like tons of life is so it's not unforeseen it's not inconceivable that any random person could become the hero once again outside of a skywalker so when we learn that her parents just kind of sold her and traded her it's hard for me to buy when we don't have any sort of visual for it like we get to see flashbacks to kylo's past to see how he was made but we don't really get a chance to see like ray's parents so if, if they want to double down and 
claim that Ray's parents aren't special. I think that is okay, and I'm okay with that. But I think we need to see it somehow or explore it a little bit more so we so we understand how Ray deals with the idea that her parents are never coming back. I don't think we can just go into the third movie with her just with she has accepted that her parents are gone. She's just uh, only yeah, a child. She's got, she's got to visit the graveyard. I think that yeah. would be if they're going to stick with this visit the graveyard maybe. Yeah, like maybe she goes back to Jakku, and while she's overlooking the grave, maybe some uh, villager walks by and is just like, oh, I knew your parents. I, you know, I know that's a little they, contrived. They could, but, they could be force ghosts. If she's so powerful with the force, they could be heavy force users as well. Uh, I, yeah, I, I guess that's possible. Um, I mean, they don't have to be Jedi or anything in particular, but like they could have you know stumbled upon it. Because she is very strong in the force, as we find out, and has very natural abilities with her. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, but uh, it was good seeing the green lightsaber in this movie. I'm gonna say that. I was, yeah, that that was a good feeling. Yeah, that was cool. I love the little fight that uh, Ray and Luke had on the island with like the lightning. You know, I, I like that that moment of just like just everyone's pissed off and they're just starting to the swing shit. You know, sticks versus sticks, and then she busts out that lightsaber. So that was really cool. Where did the green lightsaber pop up? Uh, whenever he was about to kill Kylo. Oh yeah, that's right. In the flashback, I was gonna say. And I then it was he was looking it at it in his hand. And it was the original one from you know Return of the Jedi. I'm like, oh, that's my favorite lightsaber. Oh yeah, it's so cool because it has that weird kind of like that neck that kind of gets small and it goes up. Oh, I just thought always thought it was kind of. Like it's a got cool a very shape. unique. You know it when you see it, man. Like yeah, exactly. his original blue one's very steely and like yeah, whatever. That's yeah, his lightsaber. It's a little too chrome. I like how it's a little bit more industrial. But I think kind of one of the last things that I think Star Wars really needs to nail down. And I think this has been a problem in pretty much every Star Wars movie that someone needs to take the time or find an eloquent way to describe to us the size of this galaxy, the 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 spans of the resistance, the the size of the bad guys because I have like no idea what's going on here. Like at one point in this movie, the resistance felt like it was down to like four people. I was just like, "Okay, really there's four people fighting this fight? Like there is they they are literally dwindling down to nothing, but I, it's hard for me to feel what they're fighting for. It always feels like they're fighting for each other and for their comrades around them, but... We just, kinda see, we just see the battles. Yeah, like, they blew up, like, five planets in The Force Awakens, you know? Like, it seems like there's no one left to fight for out there, people. It seems like they all died, so... Like, it almost seems like instead of going to an empty planet with an empty, abandoned base, maybe you have to hold up on a populated planet and your job is to protect this planet from getting destroyed. It's just like... I feel like I need to see some innocent civilians that need the protection. And I guess we saw that a little bit on the casino planet with those slave kids. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I need, I need some sort of scope. I need some sort of scale here. I, I think we're well beyond the original three movies where this kind of needs to be explained. I think if you're just kind of telling a little isolated story of, like, a Skywalker becoming a hero, I don't think you need to explore those things back in, you know, the 80s when the, when the original movies were pinned. But now I think we're getting to a point where... Uh, Benicio del Toro brings up like, hey, there's lots of shades of gray out there. See these weapon dealers? They make X-wings and Tie fighters. They don't care if who's fighting and who's winning. They just want to sell this uh -huh. stuff. So we are if we're bringing in that element, I need to like I almost need like a number. Like how many planets out there well, are good? How many planets out there are bad? Like what what's the what's the weight here? Like are we ever gonna destroy the bad guys, or is this just gonna be a constant grind of 
killing for the eternity. Like, I, I know a finish line in, in the real world is not realistic, but this is Star Wars. I think it's okay if our fantasy movie has a theoretical finish line out there. So, know? I mean, I yes and no. I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you, I guess. And But if you have to applaud the prequels for anything, it at least made you feel like there were planets out there with people and stuff going on. Whereas, you know, the original trilogy didn't have that luxury of showing you. Like, we got to see Tatooine twice. Uh, we didn't even know Alderaan before it blew up, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So at least the prequels gave us planets with people, and we knew what was going on and how many. Kind of like a number, like, yeah, there's a lot of planets out there. There's a lot of creatures. Like, here's the Republic and the Senate. You know, like, you get to see some of these people, what's going on. So Yeah, maybe like a visual. I know this. It could be them ham- coming. It could be them coming together at the end of the next one. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these are the people who stand for freedom and the people and... They have to give all their energy to Goku to form the spirit bomb. (laughs) Yeah, because like, because like Leia says, like, oh, put out my beacon. That's the one that'll be that'll be the most known. But it's just like, and nobody called, nobody answered. Yeah, like, well, where are these good good guys? Like, why aren't they fighting? You know, what qualms do they have against going out there? So yeah, I think that since so much of this movie is organized around a, a, a literal war, a Star War if you will, I think the war needs a little bit of explanation. And I think that's fair to ask. Yeah, we've, we've seen battles, so let's see see the war finally. I agree. Uh-huh. I agree with that. It needs to, to be on a more... I guess we had some locales on this one, but it didn't feel like they were lived-in locales. Crate was an abandoned planet. Uh, Octu was just Luke and the caretakers and Porgs. Canto Bite was a bunch of, you know, uh, rich people paralleling our own government and economy <laughs> right now. Uh, so like that one, but that wasn't enough. Everything else was just on ships and the cold, you know, darkness of space. So mm-hmm. I, but, I agree wholeheartedly on that. We need more. We need to feel more for these things going forward, rather than yeah. just the the eight people we see fighting the battles. Yeah, I am. I am not surprised that we ended up talking about this movie for over an hour because well, I knew that was going to happen. This had so much going on to it. I I, I think. I I would recommend this movie to anybody just on the fact it has one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen in a science fiction movie and in a Star Wars movie in a long time. There's a whole lot to love in this movie, and there's some things that, you know, are just kind of upsetting. This is kind of one of those situations where if this movie came out standalone, on its own, was the, the first entry into a series, and we've never heard of Star Wars before... I think there we'd be a lot more lenient on it, but you can't ignore the fact that Star Wars has just been around for my well, entire lifetime and other people's lifetime. So people are always going to kind of come in with their own baggage, their own expectations. Yeah. You're never going to be able to please everybody, which is maybe that's a good thing. I was actually, even though I was upset with some of the decisions Ryan Johnson made in this movie... I am still very excited for his standalone trilogy that he's going to make because he doesn't have to worry about any of this fucking baggage. He doesn't have to worry about uh, Luke's legacy. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, any of this stuff making fan service of whether he decides to, um, uh, oh God, who, who died in this movie that we had no chance to feel for? Uh, Akbar. Akbar. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about how he handles Akbar. He just gets to go make his own Jedi story on another side of the galaxy, either in the future or in the mm-hmm. past. And he just doesn't have to worry about it. And I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. So well, I he, definitely think there's, there's light at the end of this. Tunnel. He, he did create a lot of new, I guess, force powers for people in this one as well that we haven't seen before. 
Uh-huh. So if he is going to dive into anything when force powered, he at least has the ability to create even more powers that he needs, uh-huh. you know see fit, which is cool. And God help us that he puts more creative scenes like the light speed jump in other ones. Not the exact thing, but I want to see him, you know, do more of his thing where he's like, we need a light speed jump through all these ships and make it like heart stopping because that is one way I would describe that movie. That is heart stopping moment right there in in the theater. Uh, I, I really hope everyone else experiences that like we did because <laughs> that is that is the highlight of this movie. I'm on the other side of it. I I get there. A lot of people want to feel that Star Wars is theirs, and going forward, we we can't rely on the tropes that of, of Star Wars time and time again. Like we have to tell these stories, and we have to have these characters and these beats. So I I applaud this movie for being different and giving me what I needed from the you know the last Jedi or the Force Awakens because. I was when I watched The Force Awakens. I'm like I could I I could just go watch A New Hope, and I've seen it, and I feel better about A New Hope than I do this one. So with this one, I'm like <laughs> this is different. I'm not I can't go to Empire or Return or even you know any of the prequels, Attack of the Clones, and see this movie. Like this is a movie in and of itself. Um, yeah, I'll- at the end of the day. Yeah, only Star Wars could ever be this decisive, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, and and it's gonna be a lot of people talking about. It, but I, I think it sounds like from both of us, go watch it. That's that's what we're saying. Go go see it. I recommend theaters. Uh, Mike, you recommend theaters? Yeah, go check it out in, in theaters. You always get more quality and more detail. I always forget about that. You know, I always forget the amount of just resolution that you get from a screen. And the perfect example is I got to see the Infinity War trailer uh, yes. bef- before this. And in all of the trailers, even the highest quality 1080p uncompressed trailers I've seen for Infinity War, at the very end when Cap is running with the crew towards the screen, it's still hard to see what's on his hands. It kind of looks like some sort of weird, um, maybe some sort of gauntlets that from like Wakanda. But on the big screen, I can see those clear as day what they look like. They are definitely some sort of of gauntlet with like little kind of ornate claws on the end definitely tech he probably picked up from i think black panther's sister who knows we'll probably talk about this in, in our in our news that's episode another, that's so, another so, movie yeah so it. make sure you're subscribed so yeah just go for the for the quality and the majesty of being on the big screen and go go soon before people start bringing their babies to the to the theater because that usually happens did just, you have babies in your theater there was one baby in the back and i was like who does this who brings their child to to a Thursday night opening of a Star Wars movie? A uh, one that's young enough to cry. You save that shit for Saturday afternoon. That's where your child belongs oh, when it man. comes to the theater. Honestly, Saturday who throws afternoon. a shoe? Honestly, yeah, honestly, honestly. Well, Mike, I think uh, we have reached the end of our Star <sighs> Wars man journey for this year. Uh, yeah, last review of the year. Um, we uh, will be back, I guess, for Black Panther. I know at least in February. Uh-huh. Um, maybe maybe Runaways when if that wraps up. So um, look look subscribe for our, our more reviews. But Mike, if people want to find out what you're doing in the meantime, where can they find you at, buddy? Well, as always, you can follow me at Mike Royer Design on Twitter and Instagram, and you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com. Chris, if people want to follow you, see what you're up to, where can they get that? You can find me on Twitter at Valdan V A L D A N I. You can see the picture I posted on there from Instagram where we were the first people in the theater. And I'm like, we got to hurry up and take this picture before anyone else walks in. Yeah. Uh, Sir, can you just stand back for a moment? Excuse, I'm trying to take a selfie. Excuse me, people. <laughs> we need this theater for a second. Uh, so we posted that out there. You can head over to Comic UI, um, read some stuff there. We put up some videos uh, for, for Marvel, um, listen to other show, Film Side Chats, or head to DNN on YouTube 
and see the videos I do for the destination. So there's that. Uh, if people want to know more about our weekly show, this is a review episode. People want to hear our news episodes. Mike, where can people find us at? Well, it's Please visit SuperheroSlate.com. That is the best place to find all the avenues we host our show and to also uh, check out our show notes. And when we're listening, uh, when you're listening to an episode and we're talking about the news, uh, we put all of our notes in there and you can click on all that stuff. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed because we're going to be talking about a crazy trailer for uh, Peter Jackson's new movie, which was attached to the to the Last Jedi, uh, and it, it's not out. You can't go find it on YouTube right now, at least at this very that's moment. That's a so, rare. That's a rare moment. Yeah, and so, it wasn't even in my movie, so I'm mad. Yeah, so I got to see it. So Chris is going to try to see it before we record the news episode on Sunday. So uh, yeah, so you're going to want to subscribe and hear about that because it looks freaking crazy. Uh, but you can find us on iTunes, YouTube, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher. You can subscribe and get us right in your email inbox every week, and you. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we got a new uh, T-shirt design up in our store, so you can go mm-hmm. check that out at superheroslate.com slash store. You can get that on like a shirt, a hoodie, a mug, I t- a notebook. I tell I, you I, what, I got mine on a long sleeve shirt, and it's ooh. specifically for our reviews. So I'm really excited to be wearing that. Well, there you go, Chris. I, I can always count on you to support us. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, if anyone's about self-promotion, by God, it's me. So, <laughs> uh, If you like what you're hearing, uh, we would love if you would uh, uh, review the show wherever you listen to it. We really love and really love uh, that appreci- appreciation. That That's what makes us come back every week, multiple times a week, uh, to do this show. Uh, we, we love providing a service out there for you guys to keep up on the news and to hear our thoughts on all the movies that come out. Um, if you want to be a super fan of Superhero Slate, it's super simple. All you got to do is just share the show with a friend, share the show with a buddy, and we will be here next week. And we will be here for the rest of eternity until we turn into a force ghost and disappear. <laughs> That's right. Until Mike projects himself across the country into my, my offices to slap <laughs> me or something weird. So, there we go. All right. Well, I guess we will catch you guys in our news episode. See you guys then. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. Is it okay if I don't have an answer until like the day before?